So seriously, at what point in Justin Thomas's final round could he have just handed you the golf ball and you could have played the remaining holes for him and still would have won? Because I, I think it, for me it would have been maybe around 17, you know, like five over in the last two holes. Yeah, that's because you're good at golf. Put me on the 18th green from about 60 feet where he had that two putt to break the 72 hole PGA Tour record, and then I can do it for him. Yeah, you could have six putted and still won. I mean, anyone from there, you could have could have gotten the job done. Yeah, but I'd still want him to have that 72 hole record. So I, I would try a very, very hard two putt and do it for him. Yeah, seven shot win, not too Cause bad. I, because I would be so scared over the ball anywhere else. <laughs> I, I agree. I'd, I'd be pretty nervous, too. Well, my name is Sean, and I'm here with Cassie, and this is episode two of the postcast. Today, we're going to talk about Justin Thomas, of course, ranking the best sub-60 rounds in PGA Tour history, and whether pay-by-the-hour golf is a good idea, bad idea, we don't really know. We'll talk about it. But first things first, Justin Thomas and assigning realistic expectations in a day and age where... We do not like to do that, especially when he just bought a custom Range Rover with his $3.8 million from his last five starts. Not not too bad. JT is now number eight in the world. He's only three three spots behind his buddy Jordan Spieth. And Cassie, the way he won these events, 49 under in 144 holes, it kind of makes us quick to, uh, to anoint him as the next big star in the game, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it was lather, rinse, repeat for JT in back-to-back weeks in Hawaii. But no, no one ever likes to put a price on expectations of a player um, because you just never know how it's going to play out. Like you said, JT is number eight in the world now. It's his career high. The only place I think he can go is up. His confidence is sky high. Um, Obviously, he'll take this week off, reflect a little bit. He'll probably learn a lot more than he really has thought of right now. And he knows how to win. I can't wait to see what he does at the majors this year. He said he was very excited about the Masters after his win at the Sony Open. And, I mean, who's not excited about the Masters ever? So I am too, and I can't wait to see what he does. Yeah, so a couple interesting stats on him. The past couple of years, he has putted so poorly. 2015 strokes game putting, he was 95th. Last year, 131st. This week at the Sony Open, second in strokes game putting. And he was fourth in Kapalua. So if he can putt the way he's continuing to putt, everyone wants, wants to talk about his ball striking. But really for him, I think anything around the greens, if he is going on the same direction as he is right now, I think that really lends itself to a lot more wins. And last time, uh, you know, last season, Dustin Johnson and Jason Day, they led the PGA Tour in wins with three. Justin Thomas is already there and it's mid-January. So you have to really like him to, to definitely pick up another win along, along the way here in the season. And I think his short game and his putting around the greens and anywhere on the course, really, I think that'll pay dividends at Augusta National if that's where he wants to contend in his first major and possibly win it. Absolutely. I I 100% agree. We're going to bring on Ron Green Jr. in a few minutes. Before we do, here are your winners of the week. Graham Storm has weathered the storm. And he has Patrick Reed to think. This is a great story. Storm, who had lost his European tour card last fall before gaining it back when Reed relinquished his membership, defeated Rory McIlroy in a playoff at the BMW South African Open. Storm had not won since the 2007 Open to France. And on a side note, Cassie, Rory has pulled out of the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship after medical test shows he has a rib injury. And some people are saying that could take maybe four to six weeks to heal. So uh, Rory is supposed to play in a couple weeks from now. Um, 
doesn't look like it may happen at this point, but good on Graham Storm for that fantastic win in South Africa. Yeah, speaking of Graham Storm, could you even imagine thinking you lost your European tour card, but then to turn around just a few months later and win against the number two player in the world? Absolutely. That's an incredible story. That's unbelievable. Good for him. Um, In amateur golf, in the third playing of the Latin America Amateur Championship, it was Toto Gana of Chile who took the title on the second playoff hole. On the par 4 10th, 386 yards, Ghana stuck it to two feet with his 52-degree uh, wedge and punched himself a ticket to Augusta National for the Masters in April. Uh, pretty pretty incredible story there, and I couldn't even imagine getting an invitation to play in the Masters, let alone just Augusta National in general. Yeah, you see a look on his face. <laughs> he looked like he was completely be- bewildered. Fantastic play. He's going to go and play at Lynn uh, University this, uh, this up, up, upcoming spring. So that's awesome. We have a great program there in Division II. Um, work, looking on to the uh, Diamond Resorts Invitational, Woody Austin won that event in uh, at Tranquilo Golf Club in Golden Oak, Florida, with 104 points in the modified Stableford format. And he shot 59 without even knowing it. Uh, that is a nice place to be in the golfing world. Of course, they weren't playing stroke play, so he didn't really count his strokes that way and he shot 59 when it came to the end of it mark Mulder, the former baseball player he played for the athletics and the the cardinals i believe he won the celebrity portion of the contest cassie your your crush adam levine he wasn't even in the field so i don't know what you're doing there i know it's sad he just became a new father uh, about a couple months ago so i will give him a pass on this one but hopefully we'll see him out there at the maybe at&t uh pro-am absolutely a lot of guys i'd like i'd like that Um, on to the Silicon Valley Am. Behind a bogey-free 66 in the final round, Connor Blick won the tournament title. Not only did he come from behind to win, but he took down defending champion and California sophomore Colin Morikawa and world number one amateur Maverick McNeely of the Stanford men's golf team. I mean, that's the hoo-hoo of uh, amateur golf right there. Um, in the senior division, Jeff Britton won by six strokes, and Alexandra Cooper won the women's division. Moving on to the Sally, University of Florida senior Kelly Grassel rallied in the Sally with a 369 on the final day to win by one over her Gator teammate and SEC Player of the Year, Maria Torres. There is also another Gator in third, which was Samantha Wagner. I had a great uh, conversation with her last year, did an article on her uh, nice uh, young woman with a, a adorable puppy named Mulligan. She's going to be a good player, I think. There, so there are Gators everywhere at, uh, at Oceanside Country Club in, in Ormond Beach. Uh, good showing for them. Chomp, chomp. Nicely <laughs> done, ladies. Um, so maybe you haven't heard of this event, but that's okay. It was the inaugural First Coast Amateur at Amelia National Golf and Country Club in Florida. Brandon Mancheno went wire to wire and won by six shots. Mancheno is an Auburn University commit, and you may remember his name from the 2015 U.S. Junior Amateur, where he was the stroke play medalist. I'm sure we will hear more of his name as he moves into the college game sooner rather than later. Those were our winners of the week, so congrats to all of them. Now we have on senior Global Golf Post writer Ron Green Jr. to talk about Justin Thomas's magnificent performance again in Hawaii. Ron, when Sean and I came onto the show, we asked each other at which point we could have played Justin Thomas's remaining holes at the uh, Sony Open, and we could have still won for him. I'm assuming you could have played the whole round and won- and still won for him. Is that true or false? 
I couldn't have played the whole round and still won for him. But I'd like I would have liked my chances on the 18th hole, maybe. But uh, man, what he's doing is just I mean, this Fourth of July fireworks kind of stuff. Uh, you know, it's just we've been talking. I think we talked last week about how he's a guy we had sort of seen coming and waited for sort of the big breakout moment, and uh, now we're getting the extended breakout moment. I mean, three wins and five tournaments this year, this season, I should say, and what he's done just in 2017. I mean, that's just uh, really great stuff. It just shows what the combination of confidence and, and power and talent and belief will do for you. I mean, he's uh, he's just playing, as Jordan Spee said, he was fired up just trying to play for second place because he knew he couldn't win. And uh, it's rare when you see that happen over a period of time like this, but uh, it's pretty darn impressive. Ron, if you look at the headlines, many of them are calling Justin the, the next superstar in the game of golf right now. Are the expectations too high here? What can we realistically expect from him for the rest of the year? Well, I don't think it's realistic to expect him to keep playing like he has played. I think he maybe he'll surprise us and, and just keep it rolling. I think he's obviously had a big year already. I don't see any reason why he... Uh, can't continue to be a factor whenever he plays. I, I do think he has elevated himself. I think he's eighth in the world now. Mm-hmm. I think he's elevated himself to a different place in the game. Uh, I think something as simple as when tournaments are announcing players who have committed who are going to be coming to town, Justin Thomas is now one of those guys they're going to talk about, that uh, people are going to want to come see him because of uh, what he's done. I think the next step, obviously, for him is the major championship step. Uh, he's not alone in that. I mean, we talked about Patrick Reed needing to do something in majors. I think Justin Thomas would say, uh, it's time for me to be a factor, maybe win a, a major championship. He's played well in some uh, in the Players' Championship. But um, that's the way we judge players now. I mean, he's won four times in his career. I mean, that's uh, He's not yet 24 years old. So he's gotten to a certain point. Now the next step is uh, – in the biggest events. And there's no reason to think he can't be a factor in those. Yeah, he's absolutely. Been, yeah, he's been super impressive. You know, what was even more impressive was his 59 in the first round um, at the Sony Open. Out of the seven sub 60 rounds on the PG on the PGA Tour, which is the most impressive to you? Um, I may still go back to Al Geiber shooting the first one with where he did it, and when he did it, and what he did it with. Uh, I mean, that was a different day, different time. I mean, 59, granted, the conditions at Sony made it very, uh, the golf course vulnerable. But, I mean, three days in a row, guys had chances to do it. I mean, it became almost routine, which is, uh, I think, not not great fun. I, I want to see 59 watches maybe twice a year. I don't want to see them three times in one weekend. But I don't know. I think uh, Guy Berger is, one, is the one that just playing with a lot of golf balls, persimmon golf clubs on a 7,200-yard golf course and doing it the way he did it. That one stands out. And then, I mean, when Jim Furyk takes it and shoots 58, I mean, that's that broke a whole other barrier there. Right, right. Now that, you know, going back to that point where you said Ches Reeve, you know, he, he was almost, he was on 59 watch. Kevin Kistner, he was on 59 watch this weekend. Are there too many low scores out there on the PGA Tour in every tournament going on week to week? Not every tournament, but I think what we've seen the first two weeks and what I expect we're going to see at the Career Builder Challenge. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to say it dulls my interest. I, I, I love seeing the best players at their best. But I think sort of what was going on at Sony, I mean, birdies are so routine that it 
they, they sort of lose a little of their juice because, frankly, I don't know. If it's a par 70 golf course on the scorecard, but for those guys, it's not truly a par 70 golf course. It's probably like a par 68, which you're not going to put on a PGA Tour scorecard. But, uh, I mean, when they get to Torrey Pines in another week and it's cold and damp like it usually is there and they're playing that big old south course, suddenly – we're going. We're not going to have to worry about fifty nine watches out there. I think uh, it gets back to a sort of different kind of golf. I think you know you open up with, especially when the wind is not blowing. Three of them where it's sort of like a drag race. I mean, they just tee it up on Thursday and see who can get there the fastest, and they're chasing twenty six, twenty seven under par, which are just staggering numbers. I mean, you know, you're thinking they're playing seventy two holes, and what are they twenty seven under par? I mean, do the math. I mean. That's that's not a whole lot of pars and almost no bogeys. <laughs> I, I I prefer to see I, I like to see birdies. I don't necessarily love to see that many birdies. Uh, once in a while, sure, but when you get them sort of stacking up like you have now, uh, I, I sort of you know there's something I don't know turns me off to it a little bit. Now that said, I, I love to see birdies, and and I, every year we get to the U.S. Open and I'm sitting there watching them talk about trying to shoot even par and do all that and and I, I don't love that either I, I like I think the U.S. Open should be one at eight nine ten under par and I think most tournaments if you're in the 12 14 15 under par range that's that's the right place because I mean these are the best players in the world and if they can't do it, it means nobody can and they should be able to shoot good scores but again when when 59 is on the radar every day uh, that that minimizes what you're doing I think and when you're shooting low scores like that, you're playing quickly. And speaking of playing quickly, a resort in Missouri is going to implement pay-by-the-hour golf, where you pay $10 per hour or thereabouts, depending on the season. Ron, do you see this as a good thing, bad thing, or is it kind of too early to tell here? Um, I've mentioned in a couple columns through the years that uh, you know, what are not, it would be a good idea if you could uh, – your greens, fee were based, greens fees were based on how long it took you to play. I think – in theory, it's a it's an interesting concept. I don't know and how practical it is. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know, you have course rangers who are really going to have to be on top of their game. I think uh, if because you don't want guys getting or groups getting into arguments like, "Hey, we're trying to play in two hours and you're holding us up. It's going to cost us another ten dollars because you guys are taking forever hunting the ball over on the right side of fourteenth hole or something." So I, I think. The practicality of it, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. I, I, I think there are probably more problems, more challenges to it than initially me. I, I think if you can make it work, it's a great thing. Anything we can do, that golf can do to sort of speed play and uh, address the cost issue is, is worth looking at. I just don't know if it's going to be as easy as it sounds. We'll have to keep an eye and see how things turn out for the Lodge of Four Seasons in Missouri. Ron Green Jr., thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. Enjoyed it as always. Thanks to Ron Green Jr. for that tremendous insight, talking about sub-60 rounds and whether we have been on too many 59 watches here recently. Chez Reeve and Kevin Kisner both had scares at YLI while Justin Thomas shot the magic number on day one, with a bogey nonetheless. Let's talk about the best sub-60 rounds just in professional golf history in general. Cassie, are there any that stand out to you? Ah, that's a great question. I would have to go with Annika Sorenstam's um, first and only women's player to do so back in 2001 at the LPGA Standard Register 
ping tournament. That's kind of a mouthful. But um, I, I think it repre- you know it represents the women's game so much to have at least one player do it. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone you know down the line does it again, maybe a Lydia Ko or um, you, you never you never know who's gonna pop pop one out there. So I, I, I really enjoy that one the most. So in terms of sub 60 rounds, what do you put more stock in? Under par, so the amount under par, or just the, the total score. So we had, for example, David Duval, like my pick for the for the best sub sixty round PGA Tour history. He was thirteen under in the in the final round at nineteen ninety nine at the at the Bob Hope. And Jim Furyk shot a fifty eight, and it was one lower, but only twelve under on a on a par seventy at the Travelers last year. What do you put more stock in, just the the, the score or the the relation to par? That's a good question. I think it would just be the score in general. I think when people, golf fans or not, see it up on the board, they think that's pretty impressive. So I, I would have to just agree with the normal sports fan probably mm-hmm. in general and just say that number. That, that it, I think it means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, moving on, um, I, th- I think that, that magic number is now kind of 14 under. If you can reach 14 under for for me uh, if you had a 58 on a par 72 that would really be a, another milestone broken but I, I hear you and and i think you know if someone shoots 57 even if it's on a par 70 i think that will definitely be a a milestone day for sure so moving forward talking about pay by the hour golf we were talking with ron about that he says maybe not a great idea because of some of the, the complications that would come with that right so if you're you're out there on the course and someone's paying for the amount of holes and someone's paying for the amount of time, we could have some disagreements here in terms of you know how fast you want to go. Where where do you stand on this? Is this something that you you like dislike? So it's it's never been done before, right? So I think I think it's something we have to test out. I mean, it's always sure. about growing. I think it's always about growing the game. Um, any different ideas out there now I think are good ideas. I know my brothers, they listen to music on the course. That's what they like. And they're 21, 22, 23 years old, you know? So I I think it's good to get just get different ideas out there and especially to get younger people involved. And even if they're family oriented, I think this will be nice because you can go out, play three, six holes in two hours or less, and then still have family time afterwards. So I, I think this is a good idea. I think we just have to try it. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. You know, golf kind of has three barriers to entry in general, difficulty, cost, and time. And this kind of knocks off two of them, you know, and in theory, at least, the, the, the cost portion and the time portion, for sure. I just feel, I feel like this is going to work more at resorts than it, than it will somewhere else, just because you go for a conference or you're a non-golfer just staying at a resort, you could hop on for a couple holes and it costs you 10 bucks. That's a pretty good deal. You can play some nice courses for for not that much money. You just go out and play a few holes. So I think it's going to work more there, but we don't really know. So maybe this is something that's going to translate down the road to, uh, to, other, to other courses. Um, moving on to our schedule for the week, we have the Career Builder Challenge at PGA West Stadium course in the Quinta, California. Jason Duffner will defend his title there, and that is on Golf Channel, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern, all four days. On the European Tour, the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship at Abu Dhabi Golf Club. So no Rory this week, but Henrik Stenson, Danny Willett, Martin Keimer, just to name a few, Ricky Fowler, Dustin Johnson are all in the field this week. 
that'll be fun to watch, especially morning golf. That's almost like my favorite type of golf, so I'm excited to watch that. Absolutely. If you have some coffee and some morning golf, you're doing quite well. The weather in Abu Dhabi will be nice. The weather will also be nice in Hawaii for the PGA Tour Champions Mitsubishi Electric Championship at Hualalai Golf Club in Hawaii. Duffy Waldorf will defend his title there. That's 7 through 10 p.m. all three days and ending on Saturday, not on Sunday. So a little programming note there. That's good to know. And the web.com tour is back again in the Bahamas. Um, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. (laughs) If anyone watched that last tournament, um, we'll see how these guys perform this week. I don't know if it was brutal to watch or fun to watch. I honestly have no idea. I kind of wanted to watch it. It was nice. (laughs) Yeah, right? Make an eight. Oh, I can do that. I can play on the web.com tour. No, I I kid, guys. I kid. Uh, It's the Bahamas Great Abaco Classic at the Abaco club on winding bay it's a new event on the web.com tour schedule so first time we'll get a look at this course yeah and they're doing something a little bit different this week uh and the previous week they're starting on sunday and going through wednesday so kind of a unique schedule and nice to have some golf early in the week right so we we don't have any uh you know lack of lack of golf we just go right through the week every single day watching golf i like it golf 24 7 i love it too (laughs) All right, let's get right into our picks for the Career Builder Challenge. Bingo, bango, bongo. A recap of last week. Cassie, this did this is not go well for me this this past week. I'm kind of embarrassed actually with uh, with how poorly my picks turned out. I chose Jimmy Walker to win. He had won in 2014 and 2015 at the Sony Open, and he promptly missed the cut. And Jerry Kelly, who had three consecutive top tens at the Sony Open, he was my dark horse. He missed the cut. And Justin Rose, the one guy who I wanted to disappoint me, uh, he finished solo second. So it was it was a rough week. That is an 0 for 3 for, for Sean to, uh, to start the year. Ouch, for sure. ouch, ouch, ouch. <laughs> well, I chose Hideki Matsuyama to win, and he ended up tied for 27th. He's Not been bad. on a hot streak. I, th- I, th- I thought he was going to do well. He, he didn't do horrible. Uh, and then I chose Russell Henley as my dark horse, a uh, former champion, and he finished tied for 13th. And then I picked Webb Simpson to miss the cup, but to my disappointment, he finished T13 as well. But that's a win in my column. So <laughs> I'm going to say it's Cassie 1, Sean 0. Yeah. Disappointing for you that he didn't miss the cut, but not disappointing for Webb Simpson, who would love that top 15. So. Exactly. Absolutely. But I'll, I'll take the win between you and I. Okay, fair enough. I'll take, the, I'll take that win any day. I, I understand. I understand. So <laughs> let's move on to this next week because I definitely need, need some points here. So um, by the way, it's five points for a win. So just throwing out that out there. Um, my pick this week is Emiliano Grillo. He missed only three cuts all of last year. He is a machine, rookie of the year, loves this course. It's his debut of 2017. Why not go with the Argentinian? Yeah, that, that's a great choice. I'm going to go with Bill Haas. He won here in 2010 and 2015, coming off a T13 finish last week at the Sony Open. Although he hasn't won since this event in 2015, I think he's ready to win here again. It's his second event in 2017. Let's see what he can do. Come on, Bill Haas. <laughs> yeah, he's the all-time career money leader at the Career Builder Challenge. That's a mouthful, a lot of careers in there. My pick this week for uh, the sleeper is Luke List. He has five straight top 15 starts, 
quietly. We haven't really heard of him much, but five straight top 15 starts for the uh, former Vanderbilt product. And he finished in the top 10 here last year. T6. I like Luke List. Please come through for me. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Southern Cowboy, Jamie Lovemark, for my sleeper pick this week. Um, honestly, I don't know if anyone knows. He finished tied for fourth last week at the Sony Open after firing 65-65 on the weekend. Not too bad. Um, he's from Rancho Santa Fe, California, right down the road. He's going to play well in front of his family and friends. That's my dark horse pick for this week. Yeah, USC guy. Got to play well in, in California, right? I mean, all the all the, the Trojan support around him. And he, he could have won last year, too. He played really well, had the 36-hole lead, let it get away. But I think he'll play well. I like that pick. For me, player who will surprisingly miss the cut, I'm going to go with Zach Johnson. He was T6 last week at the Sony Open. But he's missed the last two cuts at the career builder, and I don't think this course really suits him as well as some others. So I'm going to take him to uh, to miss the cut. And uh, like I said last week with Justin Rose, who almost won, well, kind of almost won, came in second. I think just uh, Zach Johnson will probably now uh, win this tournament. So you know you're going to get some flack for picking Zach Johnson, right? <laughs> I know, I know. Just as I'm probably going to get some slack for picking. Jason Duffner as my surprisingly missed cut player. Um, he defeated David Lingworth last year in a playoff um, to win this event. Um, it was his first win since the 2013 PGA Championship. But this season, he missed the cut last week. He tied for 21st out of 30 players at the SBS Tournament of Champions. I'm just not feeling Duffner this week. Yeah, Sorry, that, Duff Daddy. Remember that shot from the rocks on 17? Last, I do. That was nice. That was really yeah. cool. That <laughs> was my pretty. favorite shot. One of my favorite shots of the year, how he almost made it. I mean, that was a great break just to have a shot there. And then to pull that off was really cool. Good for uh, good for him to win. Yeah, so those were our bingo, bango, bongo picks for this week. But that's all the time we have left today. Please visit globalgolfpost.com for all golf news. And also shoot us an email if you want to talk about a certain topic. You can do that at postcastgolf at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to come to you from the PGA show. So please tune in for that. So until next time, Sean Fairholm, my colleague, and I hit him straight and have a good week. See you later.